Hi, everyone, and welcome to Remaking Tomorrow, a series of conversations about the future of teaching and learning. I'm Ryan Radzeski, here with Greg Baer, and we're the co-authors of When You Wonder, You're Learning, Mr. Rogers' Enduring Lessons for Raising Creative, Curious, Caring Kids. This is a podcast powered by Remake Learning, a network that ignites engaging, relevant, and equitable learning in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. On today's episode, we're talking with Karen Garza, president and CEO of Battelle for Kids, a national nonprofit working with schools to realize the power and the promise of 21st century learning. Before becoming CEO of Battelle, Garza led Fairfax County Public Schools, the 10th largest school district in the nation, as its first female superintendent. Karen, welcome to Remaking Tomorrow. Hey, thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Greg. Really appreciate uh, this opportunity to be with you all today. It's our honor, Karen. Let's start with your current work at Battelle for Kids and the mission of this great organization. What do you mean by the power and promise of 21st century learning? What is 21st century learning two decades into the 21st century? What we're talking about is really the opportunity for students to be well prepared for their futures. And what we do know is there's abundant amount of research around how the world has changed what our young people need to be well-equipped to navigate a complex, rapidly changing world. We can go all the way and look at uh, research by national thought leaders like Linda Darling-Hammond, Tony Wagner, Michael Fullan, Peter Nagara, and some of the people you've probably had on this podcast. And then we look on the other side and we look at many organizations that have done lots of studies and interviews of CEOs around the world. And we know that a certain number of skill sets competencies and mindsets even that young people need to be able to thrive in the world of work and also just to be a contributor in their own communities. So what we're suggesting is there's a very different approach we believe that education should take today. We're not criticizing the past. We think the past was there certainly to respond to the needs of our communities and our greater world at the time, but our world has changed. We're no longer an industrial economy and we know that Our young people need a very different set of skills, particularly with the advancement of technology and AI. And so what's really wonderful about this work is not only can we create a different vision for education that equips young people with all of these skills that we know will help them thrive as adults in their own communities in the world of work, but we also know that that the kind of experiences that we're talking about and wanting to cultivate in systems throughout the country is also directly lined up with what we're learning now about the science of learning and how human beings best learn. So it's getting back to bringing the passion and the fun, uh, I think, back to learning as well. Karen, can you give us some examples of what 21st century learning might look like in action? I'm, I'm curious how it differs from what those of us who went to school in the 20th century might be picturing when we picture a classroom. I would say if you could picture a continuum, and one end of the continuum is a lecture style of learning, which many of us experienced that as a predominant way that we learned. Uh, so that's one end of the continuum. Now think about the other end of the continuum where students have the opportunity to really deeply engage in their own work, that basically the learning experiences are designed around more depth and complexity, you know, a lot more projects, a lot more inquiry, where students have the opportunity to demonstrate their own learning, maybe in a variety of ways. Certainly when you all were in school, you probably had some of those things that we might today describe as a 21st century deeper learning experience. 
what we're saying is now that needs to be the standard for every child and system throughout the system. And we should have more of that and less of the other end of the continuum, the direct teach. When we talk about the science of learning, uh, how very little of that is retained over time. So ultimately, when we get to that other end of the continuum where you have much higher levels of engagement for students, what we find is the degree of transfer is much greater. And so that's what we're looking for. I will say that content knowledge is still very important. We're just decentering it. The opportunity to also learn these other skills like collaboration, uh, communication skills, problem solving, innovation, you know, all these other uh, skills coupled with the content knowledge is when you get the real powerful learning. Karen, before joining Battelle for Kids as its president and CEO, you led Fairfax County Public Schools in Virginia as its superintendent. And as Ryan noted in your introduction, that's the 10th largest school district in the country, nearly 200,000 students. And before that, you led a school district in Lubbock, Texas, which has more than 30,000 students. Suffice to say, you know something about leading big, complex systems. Can you tell us about some of the challenges that come up when systems attempt to shift to something that's more future-focused? Where do you even begin? You know, certainly you have to have a systems thinking approach, but there's some aspects of the work that applies to any size district. You know, I think a clear and compelling vision is very, very important, whether you're large or small. I think having the community be a meaningful part of capturing that vision and having a meaningful say. So you build kind of that ownership and kind of that shared purpose. I think that's very important. But then you really have to look about how do you align your systems to realize that. And that is probably the most important part. A lot of times systems will have this really audacious and really exciting vision for the future, but then they don't really work intentionally to line up their systems to achieve that goal. And that sometimes creates some cynicism in a system. So if something comes along that's exciting and maybe we want to approach that, we have to look at that and say, how does that line up with our vision? And that becomes the way we calibrate and make decisions around you know, the future of the district or even your budgets or your personnel decisions it has to line up with your systems but also alignment of people, bringing people along with you. And that's no small feat. I remember when I was in Fairfax, on an annual basis, I think I would speak over 100, 150 times. It's really being out in the community and really talking with folks about the direction of the system, the why you're going that direction, and then really talking about the powerful impact it's having on adults and children in the system alike. And my greatest advocates for, I think, the work in the districts I've been in is really the voice of students. It's really powerful to hear from students that are experiencing a different kind of learning and really what do they want from their experience. And so students became some of my greatest advocates for the portrait work uh, in Fairfax County. And what's really exciting about it as well is it was not Karen's vision, it was the system's vision. Uh, so many community leaders, parents, students had such a say in helping shape that future that it's lived well beyond me. I've been gone almost seven years now, and they're still working to bring the portrait to life for all students within that system. Yeah, I would imagine that there is probably some hesitation, right? So if I'm a parent and I don't know what 21st century learning is, I might wonder, you know, hey, does this mean I'm going to have less of a say or less of a role in my child's education? If I'm a teacher, you know, I might say, you know, I've been teaching a certain way for a while. You want me to change what now? So I'm curious, you know, aside from student advocates, how do you show and how does Battelle show the 
value of 21st century learning? How do you communicate its necessity and really the excitement that it can generate? First of all, it's not a program. This is different in every community. But what we do is we go in and we show them the research. And how has the world of work changed? And if we're preparing students for that world of work, does the current design for education do that? And if not, how does it need to look different? And the portrait of a graduate is a systems vision. What do we want our taxpayer dollars in this community to be spent to deliver for all of our students in the system? Still, it's going to be necessary for teachers and parents to work together to develop a strategy or an approach for every child. So let's just set back 10 years ago. How many parents or how many community members had a say in the vision or direction of a school system? Very few. Yeah. And so what we're saying, we think it's more powerful to bring the broader community. In some cases, we'll have hundreds of people on those design committees. And I think it's really powerful to say, community, this is your school system. And when I say community, I'm talking about parents and students, community members, business leaders. We think there's really power in that collective conversation. It doesn't mean that my voice as a parent is diminished at all. In fact, I think to some extent it's actually elevated. Sounds like you're really co-constructing a school system with parents, with communities, with business leaders, rather than saying, hey, I'm the superintendent or, hey, we are the school district. Here's how it's going to go. You know, I can tell you, how many times have you heard parents or community leaders or business leaders say, you know, I don't know what the school district's doing. I have no idea what their priorities are. They just keep asking me for money. They want to raise my taxes. What if instead we say, let's co-construct this, as you said, Ryan, let's co-construct this, but let's don't just pull it out of thin air. Let's look at the research. Let's examine how much we've learned about the science of learning, for an example, since the 1990s. We've learned more about the science of learning than ever before. Yet, if you think about how much have our traditional education systems changed since the 1990s, not too much. So we're saying, let's lean into what we know now about the science of learning. Let's lean into what we know about what business leaders and CEOs are looking for when they hire people to be a part of their organization. Let's use those as foundational information to help us craft the vision for the system. This is Greg Baer, along with Ryan Rudzeski. We're talking with Karen Garza, president and CEO of Battelle for Kids. It's exciting to hear you, Karen, talk about these portraits of a graduate these North Stars that a community like Fairfax, Virginia, might develop together. A school leader like yourself with school board members, together with teachers, together with parents, families, and caregivers, together with students saying, these are the humans we want to be. The graduates of our schools can know and do these things in the world. Is that a fair description of a portrait of a graduate? What does it contain? And can you give us a colorful example somewhere in the United States of a portrait of a graduate that really stands out for you as exciting or unique? I I will tell you my entire career, you know, I've wanted to walk in every classroom throughout my system and see kids deeply engaged in learning, kids excited about learning, and teachers equally excited to be there. And I think the kind of work we're talking about with the portrait of a graduate as the vision for leading that work. And so I feel like it is time for us to wrestle with what is our vision for our young people in this community in light of how the world has changed. There are wonderful examples of this all throughout the country. 
And I think what's really exciting about what I've seen, you know, result from these is students talking about how excited they are about their learning. Students engaged in projects that are actually having an effect in their own community. You know, young people, for example, identifying a problem in their community and saying, we have no parks. So working with the chamber to get money, to set aside money for a park that the students actually design. It's kids working on problems that are important to them, but learning such wonderful skills that will serve them well throughout the rest of their lives. I think those are the kinds of experience I would say, and there's hundreds of them in our system all throughout. If you go to our website, there's all kinds of examples of school systems and how they've approached this work. But I think we also need to bring up another challenge that we're experiencing in school systems, and that is so many of our educators are leaving the field. That's concerning. Systems that are exclusively focused on a test score, I believe, has prompted so many of our educators to say, you know, that's not really what I signed up for. Test scores are important, and let me be clear on that, but they shouldn't be this single most important driver of our educational systems. Learning should be fun. And, you know, not all of it's fun, but the lion's share of it should be... Joyful. Joyful, that's right. And so we're finding that when we engage with districts across the country, it happened in my own district in Fairfax, I had a retired teacher. She was on the design team and she told me she was tearful at the end. She said, this is what I've always wanted to do as a teacher. This is why I wanted to be a teacher. And she literally came out of retirement and came back to work for the system as a result of our portrait of a graduate. That's just one example. But I do believe that this is important work and the time is now to consider how do we engage the adults and the young people in the systems in different ways to produce different results for our kids. Karen, you've directed our listeners to your website. So I myself have gone to your website and I've randomly selected a school from Colorado and I'm looking at their portrait of the graduate and here's what they identified. They want the graduates of their school district to be courageous leaders, to be creative problem solvers, to be confident communicators, to be agile thinkers, empathetic collaborators, and resilient risk takers. And of course, there's a lot more to that. Those are the headline categories. And as a dad of two girls in public schools, I think, yes, this is what I want for my own kids. So a school district develops its North Star. A community has rallied to say, this is what we want these human beings to be who come out of our school district as they work to do whatever it is that they're best positioned to do in this world. So once you have that North Star, what does a school district do? Now what? How do you move forward with this? You know, there's no particular way you have to approach it, but there's some critical things that you have to consider. And that is, how do you make sure that it's not just one more thing, right? So you have to think about your curriculum documents. And I call all of them kind of your sense-making documents. They're how teachers make sense of what the system, you know, is expecting them to do. If I'm a third grade language arts teacher, it is important that I understand my responsibility with regard to the curriculum, both because I'm building to the next level at fourth grade, and I'm also understanding what the skills and competencies of the kids are bringing to me from second grade. So there's some logic there that is really, really important. We typically ask folks to consider kind of your learning frameworks, developing a learning framework around how do I integrate this in my learning design in my classrooms? And there's some ways that you can do that at the local level. 
It's also looking at your assessment practices. What are the varied ways that we're going to engage and equip our teachers to use a variety of different assessment strategies? Performance-based assessments, for example. We've done also a lot of work around student-led assessment. You know, how do you equip your students to demonstrate their knowledge and understanding? And that's pretty powerful. I also worked with a lot of systems to develop capstone and cornerstone projects, which are so much fun for our young people. It also gives them a lot of say over how they want to demonstrate their learning and also maybe in some cases what topics that they want to explore within that capstone or cornerstone project. Those can also be great tools to demonstrate to the community what your young people are learning when you have those demonstrations of learning through your capstone or cornerstones. But lots of ways that they can approach it. A lot of them do start with taking the competencies and and defining them for teachers at grade bands, like at the elementary, middle school, and high school level, so that teachers know clarity about what it is that we're striving to accomplish as a system. Karen, it sounds a lot like a moonshot, declaring we're going to the moon, and then how are we all going to get there together? What is the work we're going to do to realize this great big goal? And that's what you're helping school district communities across this country to do. I think it's a great way to put it. Moonshot for sure. It feels sometimes big and audacious, but when you really get right down to it, it feels right. All of this work lines up with the science of learning so well. Then the conditions are optimally created for learning and for excitement around the learning and for our teachers to also be excited about it. So, you know, I feel like it's almost like creates a cascading effect or the flywheel, if you've read about that too, you know, just those small changes start to build even greater positive changes throughout a system for students. And that's really fun to see. You'll forgive me. It it sounds a lot too like the way Fred Rogers described his iconic television show when a journalist asked him, what is it that you're creating with Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? And he answered more or less, I'm creating an atmosphere. You're helping folks to create these conditions, to create this atmosphere where we take advantage of all that we're learning about learning itself and do the things that we need to do for today's kids and their futures. You know, I went to school in the 70s and 80s, early 80s, and I think it'd be really sad if young people today had the same experience I had, you know, because the world has changed a lot. So I think what we're suggesting is if educational systems need to stay up with the times, because our educational systems have such a fundamental role in equipping our young people to take care of their families and to contribute to their communities and thrive in the workplace and be just contributors, positive contributors, then we can't do that if we're using a model of education that was designed you know, for the 60s and 70s and certainly was what I got when, when I went to school. We have to stay up with the times. And I think all we're suggesting with Portrait of a Graduate is what do we need to be doing now to prepare our students for the future. And you know what? Karen doesn't dictate that, you know? I think we have to be guided by, you know, smart people in our communities, business leaders that wanna hire from their own communities, parents, young people who are experiencing that system. And then what does the research say about the world of work and how the world is changing? And, And I think that's, I think, smart in terms of how we're thinking about educational systems. We have to be evolving. We have to adapt thoughtfully to the future. 
Karen, how can people find out more about the work you're doing? Yeah, they can go to battelleforkids.org, and that's B-A-T-T-E-L-L-E, battelleforkids.org. There's a lot more you can read about our work there. There are a number of different blogs and things that we've written, but I would encourage school district leaders to consider reports of a graduate. There's a lot of systems throughout the country have done this and done this well with unbelievable results and a lot more flexibility, but also lots of choice for their students as well. And it's just unbelievable what they've been able to accomplish. Karen, before we go, just one last question. What's one thing that parents and educators can do today to make tomorrow a more promising place for every learner? I think it's still listening to our young people and working together to create positive conditions for our children to thrive. So I think it's keeping our young people at the center of our decisions and working meaningfully together to create wonderful conditions for them to be successful and happy. Thanks again to Karen Garza. President and CEO of Battelle for Kids, a national nonprofit working with schools to realize the power and the promise of 21st century learning. Remaking Tomorrow is powered by Remake Learning. Learn more at remakelearning.org.